that was like that was like baritone. <laughs> that was like baritone vocal fry. Um, how's everybody doing? Why am I feeling so giggly already? Now I feel like I'm at like an Elvis dinner theater. <laughs> like, oh yeah, dude. Dancing on the stage. I saw an Elvis impersonator the other night, but let's let's, let's I've continue. Been looking for one. Oh. Okay. He just appeared at that country show I went to. I, I wasn't looking for him. He just, I happened upon him, but. This is my only question. What song did he sing? Like... I don't even know what he was singing. It was like some, it was a very, it was a very funky, uh, funky cut. song though. It was a deep cut. I had no idea what he was singing, but it was very Elvis-esque. I don't know, but you know, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> okay. So welcome back to Nymphed Alumni, everyone. I'm Alexi and I'm here with Sam and Biz. Hello. <laughs> um, Hello. And this week we will be talking about something that we're always talking about in the group chat and we're always like sending each other examples of. And it's a little bit harder to define because it's on such a global scale. Like it's <laughs> not like a niche thing, but for now we're going to call it Global South Core. And I think we should start off by defining what the Global South is. So this is like straight off of Wikipedia. I can do it if you want. I'll read the top line definition. Okay, so the global south is the term often used to identify regions within Latin America, Eastern Europe, Asia, Africa, and Oceania. 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 <laughs> yeah. um, Oceania. It is, it is a family. Bust it, it down, Oceania. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it is one of a family of terms, including third world and periphery. That denotes regions outside Western Europe and North America. Most, though not all, of these countries are low income and often politically or culturally marginalized on one side of the divide, while on the other side are the countries of the global north, often equated with developed countries. As such, the term doesn't inherently refer to a geographical south. For example, most of the global south is geographically within the northern hemisphere. That is really strange. It is strange. And I think it's like, you know, on on like a super super generalized scale i do get why people thought of this like when you're thinking about the transatlantic slave trade and like the history of the whole world like yeah it does seem like the north was extracting resources and labor from the south generally but also like yeah it was like southern because it's like also like the british colonies and stuff and that's a pretty northern country so i guess it's south <laughs> of them i don't know yeah. like like <laughs> south of the border of britain yeah. yeah of britain yeah which is very up there but like obviously this wouldn't have worked when like america was still the new world and like i don't know america's the global yeah. now i guess but we used to be kind of globally southern yeah i mean it says that it was first introduced as a more open and value-free alternative for third world yeah i guess because it removes the value of words like developing country the hierarchy yeah. the hierarchy yeah because exactly. there's like the separation of like first second and third world or whatever which i think happened in the 90s i've never heard anyone describe something as second world though mm, yeah i actually haven't either yeah that just sounds like a coffee shop term like second wave <laughs> coffee second wave second world coffee i don't know um but i definitely grew up when people were still saying third world quite frequently and yeah. i'm not sure do you guys think global south is really widely used or i think I, a lot of people still say developing country yeah, yeah. i think that we've just been using it a lot because um yeah. to give some backstory like my undergrad department was home to this really scammy like Oh, no. academic symposium called the global south center <laughs> and like every week these like uc system and like ivy league 
cultural studies people would come and show us like poverty porn slideshows and like make us feel really bad about the global south and then like collect a check and leave but um wait this should be bleeped out but it came out that uh, which is really funny oh yeah that makes sense it's a huge trend in academia i think to like talk about the global south and like decolonization Mm -hmm. it's something so heavily branded like even since it's like early inceptions of like these separations like in I guess the fall of the Soviet Union kind of leading to this sort of like new perspective on like the West and the East and the global South, I guess. And I guess also I skimmed Edward Said's Orientalism, which is an interesting text to read in its entirety, I think, where he kind of discusses like, like the difficulty of, because we, we, we just said, you know, how um, no one really uses the term second world. And it is a very heavy tendency amongst people to separate things into binaries, because I think it's like really easy to define things when they're in opposition to each other. And it's also really easy to yeah. subordinate things within binaries, you know, because you can kind of create like a top bottom effect or whatever. So yeah, I don't know. It's like, it, it's the terminology is really complex because you can't really simplify this because this is like definitely the most diverse term there is like there's like so much like difference among like all of the different countries that like fall into this category <laughs> and also randomly like australia doesn't belong to it and panama doesn't which is bizarre because that australia is like super southern yeah panama is not in the global south which is very strange but um are they just like too wealthy like <laughs> i don't really know what it is um i don't know a lot about panama my dad lived there for a while when he was a kid oh cool <laughs> so we could call him maybe the canal makes it a little bit of like a special case yeah it definitely has a ton of i think american influence as well mm-hmm. um for better or for worse i know alexi you also want to talk about about how this theory kind of like fails to account for wealth that's in the global south yeah this oh, yeah. is true so a big thing that we want to talk about is like how there are these global wealth centers like in the middle east in east asia and southeast asia and South Asia, like, that um, are having, like, a larger and larger impact on, especially in fashion, you're seeing, like, luxury markets catering to these audiences. Mm -hmm. But it is kind of hard to say, because also still in these countries, there's, like, massive income equality. So you can't really define, like, the overall narrative of the country as like oh now they're rich because there's just like a really small group of rich people but i don't know i think it's just really fascinating to me i think we're going to talk a lot about the middle east just because it's been very like top of mind with the world cup and all Um, yeah but also there's like kind of this thing that like annoying people like to say on social media that america is a third world country with a gucci belt on and it is like i think it's just getting harder and harder to like adhere to this binary system because of the complexities of like class in every country and how they're all so different but I guess there are mm-hmm. a lot of different factors that like define the global south versus north like there's industrialization and like healthcare and yeah like infrastructure democracy and yeah yeah democracy is a big one and we talked a lot about this or just we talked about this to some extent during this napocalypse ep- episode right because it is like um I think there is like a new emerging upper class of the world you know like the new one percent is like a global citizen type thing you know and that's like Mm -hmm. a very we see this a lot I guess with um you know our listeners will know probably of like Dubai vibes you know that sort of thing where it is just like Middle Eastern destinations for luxury and the wealth signaling that's kind of like propagating throughout 
the world, you know, that does kind of imply like this jet setting lifestyle and kind of like um, belonging to nowhere while simultaneously belonging to everywhere, that type of thing, which I think is, was, was kind of talked about by Mark Fisher at one point, but like, yeah, I think we're seeing it like on a much larger scale now and we're able to witness it at, at a much higher degree now because we have TikTok, you know, and yeah our social media is like so much more interconnected. Yeah. TikTok is the most like globalist form of media mm-hmm. of all time. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know what it is about it, but I think that it's like exposing people to different cultures in like such a different way. I guess I think it has to do with the algorithm and just the way that like the stream of it works yeah. and like the randomosity of it all, because on other social medias, I mean, like you would see some explore page content, but it was just a little bit more like trying to cater to you instead of, um, like just showing you things that I don't know it seems like TikTok can like predict things that you're interested in that you didn't even know you were uh-huh. interested in yet yeah it's just so widely used and it's just such a format that I think people intuitively understand that like you have TikToks coming out of like the most rural corners of the world now I wonder if it also has to, also has to do with something that it's like obviously a Chinese app because I feel yeah. like a lot of people's kind of exposure to that first was through those tiktoks that are either showing a representation of like chinese rural life or the videos where they're using a bunch of like aliexpress hack tools and i keep seeing people like parodying Mm -hmm. those but i guess it seems like there just is like almost like a channel for chinese content on tiktok that maybe there isn't on other or that a lot of people aren't being exposed to on other social media apps. Yeah, it does seem really weird how how the interactions happen. Like, we're seeing this right now with Brazil, for example. Like, I don't know why this kind of content has been, like, exported to America en masse, but everyone, like, it seems to hit people in a wave, and then all the comments are like, yo, how is my whole three page now just, like, people in Brazil? Or, like, mm-hmm. how did I end up on, like, Chinese TikTok? Um, mm-hmm. So it does still have this, like, sense of localization, but... It feels like you kind of just get dropped like somewhere on a map every time you open the app and you're just like, what like kind of portal am I looking into here? No, that's true because I think what's interesting about TikTok as well is that um, I mean it gives it's like a reverse tower of Babel effect, right? Because it's like you this like video format, right? It's like not really um speech-based as much as like other formats of social media are or like writing-based, right? So it's like much easier to communicate a message through like a gesture or just like a scenario that you act out. So like the messaging is like pretty universal and like there's like a universal communication. So like something you can see like some scenario that took place in like India and they're speaking in a different language or something like that, but you can totally understand what's going on and what they're trying to say through the video because they're acting it out so specifically in like a literacy that we already understand right so it really does like bridge this like weird cultural gap right like it bridges our cultural understanding of each other and like this is why I was also I've mentioned this I think a couple of times like really obsessed with like what I like to call like globalism Instagram reels because there's just like an insane amount of like it's very easy to like fall into these like crazy crazy like global uh viral videos right and um they're all so bizarre but they're all very like explicit or not explicit um like hyper real they're hyper real and they're very um like they're very like first grade reading level like you can totally understand it no matter what like language you're speaking no matter what your like interpretive level is you know what I mean which I find really interesting yeah Mm -hmm. I think it's just like we're reaching a at least common denominator vibe of just like what people find interesting and it makes me really happy that like music and dance seems to be the core of it which is very like we are the world but 
we can talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. I guess the second thing I want to talk about is like, there is an element of nostalgia to this for me. I'd say that in like the revisionist history of what we understand as indie sleaze today, there's been kind of like an overlooked kind of subsection of it that was like this huge revival of what I would call global south aesthetics in the 2010s. There are just like a few figures like MIA, Jai Paul, Solange, Janelle Monet, and even like white global south artists like Deontward and Iggy Azalea who are from uh, South Africa and Australia respectively. But I guess even though Australia is not the global south, Iggy Azalea's like early stuff was all about how she was like I don't know, on the outback, like, no money, no family. (laughs) No money, no Yeah, it was about her being displaced. 16 in the middle of Yeah, Yeah. Just, like, the fashion of this time is really so fascinating to me because um, there was this kind of, like, globalist maximalism where you have the same kind of, like, party aesthetic of indie sleeves, but incorporating quote-unquote cultural design elements. Like, I guess it's kind of a bit of the festival vibe, too, of, like, wearing bindis and... Mm-hmm. flower crowns and like Native American headdresses but MIA is like the greatest example of this to me like wearing these kind of um traditional textiles and just really visually rich like cultural outfits yeah that was like a thing I think um Vice Media also like really um pushed yes. forward because like it really was just like uh, it pilled a lot of like hipster millennials on like um like global journalism, also, like, war reporting. I mean, they were, like, really <laughs> a, a top-notch journalism empire, like, in their heyday. No one yeah. was really, like, reporting on the things that they were. And I think we all got kind of, like, addicted to, like, watching weird, like, cultural events. Like, oh, like, let's go to this, like, weird mountain village where every year, like, all the villagers fight each other, like, bare knuckle boxing. And it's, like, you just watch, like, an hour-long video of some, like, nerdy, skinny, like, hipster white guy, like, going into, like, like a boxing ring and getting like his ass beat by like random people <laughs> on the top of a mountain. Yeah. And like, of course, so that's like a very interesting and very clickbaity thing. And that was a, something they were criticized heavily about, right? Like they're voyeuristic. Yeah. Like the clickbaity exploitation. Sensationalizing it. Yeah. But I think it was kind of pushed forward by this. And I think a lot of like MIA, she did that music video where she had Saudi Arabian women driving cars, which is like, there's a lot of like um, political commentary in that. And I think people were a lot there was a different type of politics back then. I think like Obama era, like global positivism or something like everyone had a or more just positive attitude about the potential of like the world. And they didn't feel so jaded about like foreign conflicts. Like people felt like there is definitely like a place to like speak out on them and like create some sort of change, which I think has been sort of lost in the jaded era of our modern day. Yeah. I mean, MIA has always been like super critical though. Like, Paper Planes was kind of a satire of illegal immigrants in Britain. and But it was kind of like, I think, made it cool. Like, it took the stereotype of, like, kind of scammery, like, underground, seedy people and made it, like, really interesting. But oh, I love Vice. I'm, like, a huge fan of Vice. And then also ID at the time was, I guess this was before their merger, but, like, every single article that they put out was, like, meet the queer Georgian DJs, like... Who are changing the face of disco or something? Like they would just do a word salad of like these very niche subcultures going on in like far flung corners of the world. That was also giving globalism. Yeah, I saw that ID when I was looking into MIA's style today. I saw that they were kind of one of the only publications I had seen that had made the connection between indie sleaze and MIA being so important to that. Like Mm -hmm. there's a quote from them that says. 
both sonically and sartorially, MIA remixes the sounds and aesthetics of the global South, creating a diverse, dense, and ultimately singular style that revels in its otherness. And then, actually, there's just some good examples they wrote down of what that actually looks like, if you guys don't mind me reading those for the listeners. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Please, yeah. So, I think MIA in the, is it Galang or Galang music video? I think Galang, because she goes like, Galang, yeah. So, I think MIA <laughs> in the Galang music video, wearing track jackets, faded graphic tees, and neon leggings, the, quote, uniform of the refugee, or clad in a digital print burqa on the red carpet. With her uncompromisingly maximalist style, MIA was also one of the NDC's era's foremost fashion icons. New Rave, Dayglow, Henry Holland, etc. Oh, love that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was super epic of her. And yeah, she's kind of unsung and I guess she's back in the news right now because she was on the cover of paper and then she also came out speaking some very controversial opinions. <laughs> Anti-vaxxer, Alex Jones supporter. Um, and generally, like, I mean, that doesn't... And also, like, yeah, she, I think had a conversion experience to Christianity, which is weird. Yeah. And like, yeah, because she married the heir to the Seagram's drink fortune. What? <laughs> oh, I did not know that. Yeah, and they lived in Bed-Stuy together for a while. Yeah, wow. this is true. Mm-hmm. But I guess, like, maybe with MIA and also Kanye, there is, like, a... Like, people are getting more and more uh, confronted by, like, the rise of, like, kind of, like, based people of color. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Not to say that they're based, but, like, I'm just saying based as in, like... Yeah, that's what you would typically call... They have, like, ideologies. Yeah, I mean, MIA literally said that she doesn't care if people think she's a terrorist. Well, she's... I mean, she she suffered a lot under the stereotypes, I think, because her dad is, like... actual mm -hmm. radical. Yeah, like... Remember when she did the middle finger during the Super Bowl? Wow. Everyone's got to do something at the Super Bowl, dude. She got fined, like, massively by the... I don't know... NFL and whatever TV agency. Did you know that she dated Diplo for five years? That is such a long time. Mm-hmm. She did an interview. Was it was it for paper that she was in dialogue no, was, with um, Grimes or was that something else? Oh, that sounds like it would be ID, right? But yeah, it was super recent. But it was like they are of the same exact mm-hmm. like genre of. Yeah, it's like you meld person. them together and you get something very interesting, like the futurism of Grimes and sort of like the like global South Korea like futurism of MIA. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking, I'm just looking at our Pinterest board, which will be made available to It will all be of made public. And, yeah. And mm-hmm. even like Vampire Weekend, which we think of like this as a super white kind of like waspy, even though they were like LARPing as wasps kind of group that was playing on like Yacht Rock yuppie aesthetics their sound which they were criticized for a little bit at the time was heavily influenced by like african folk music that's very true even like them singing about darjeeling tea and yeah and and stuff like that also like the sorry just like the wes anderson darjeeling what's it called Darjeeling limited limited Limited, Yeah. yeah i mean there's this really wait sorry i just want to mention this song by ezra koenig called warm heart of africa he did this like I don't even know who it was a collab with, but he, like, had a song that was just about, like, Africa. It was very Waka Waka of him, but, like, indie version. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, but we should link that somewhere. One thing, actually, I'm, I'm realizing a little bit is I think that just we... I mean, we maybe even talked about this during the Twee episode, but I think the record... 
obsession that people had maybe did kind of like lead a lot of people to like be really influenced by like global music. Like I remember, I don't know if you guys know who um, William Onyebor, he was like an African like techno musician who randomly was like, he experienced a revival during this era because like David Byrne was like digging through like our record thing. And he just like randomly found this like crazy record by this like guy that was playing the Moog and he learned a bunch of techno music because he like lived in the Soviet Union and came back to Africa and like started like incorporating like local music with sounds and stuff like that. And that was like, I think there's like a bunch of like cover bands for William Onyebor and that sort of thing. But I do think like just the record obsession that people had led people to discover like a, a much wider range of music. And I guess like a newer version of world music that was like around in the 90s, which I think it was like a lot less um, diverse and complex. It's like a very oversimplified view of like what world music is, right? Yeah, I think that there would just be like world music CD compilations. Like I remember my mom having those and like they were just like made in the style of like world worldliness. Like it was giving yeah. world market like music edition. <laughs> yeah, it was like very tribal. I think that's just a very 90s thing, right? Like the sort of like the purity of children and like, like, oh, the history of like tribes, like they, they must be connected to like the pure essence of like our human history. And like, it was a very yeah, quite National Geographic. <laughs> yeah, it's like very Nat Geo. And also like, um that was like the emergence of like a corporate eco responsibility as well. Yeah, and they went, that went really hand in hand. It was like save the rhinos. I don't know. It was an interesting time for branding in terms of the global south as well yeah yeah wait sam i'm really glad that you wrote down something about coney 2012 because that also felt like a really optimistic time when people like actually thought that signing petitions on the internet would stop like an african warlord <laughs> you know what i mean like just the thought that of that so is funny. so funny now because it's just like that's really not how things work no, I even saw like Angelina Jolie offered herself up as like prey. To, she like offered to like. Oh yeah, she wanted to do like a honey pot. Should, scheme, yeah, to be yeah. like a honey pot. She was like, I will invite him to dinner, and he will not be able to refuse. And then like they could capture him while he's at dinner. With me. <laughs> that is crazy because that that is literally like a height. Like, why would he think that that would happen? He would be like, oh, like I'm a highly sought after warlord. But like, wait, Angelina Jolie wants to hang out. Like, this famously, <laughs> like really socially responsible actress. Uh, I would love to make a movie about that. That's like a cartoon where like he falls through a trap door and like the ground. And he's like heart eyes. He literally goes like, yeah. oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no, that was a very, that was simpler times, dude. Simpler times. People, yeah. you know, we, I, I almost like long for that a little bit because it's like, oh, bright eyed, like bushy tailed. Like we had hopes and dreams. We thought we could like solve a lot of these problems. It's really like bleeding heart liberalism. Yeah. I think now people are really like bothered by the notion of like American interventionism, but I, I guess it's like become more of a thing nowadays um, with human rights crises in like the Ukraine and Iran where people yeah. are like calling for the U.S. to get involved. But I was like, wait, isn't it like problematic that we're like, hasn't it been proven that our like peacekeeping abilities have just like instigated problems? I don't know. Yeah, we have, we don't, we do not have a good track record on that. I don't think we've ever successfully peace, peace kept, um, peace kept because I don't know, all the times we've intervened, it seems like we've made things worse. I don't know. I'm a little suspicious of our abilities. Yeah. And just like, I don't know, I guess from going to liberal arts school with all of these like really lefty people, they're all like, oh, you thought the, the UN was good? You thought UNICEF was good? Like they all suck and they're all evil. And I'm just like, okay. But like, I want to believe, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's it's like a, I mean, because it was a really good branding movement, right? Mm. And like, um, it's beautiful. I mean, it was, all, it was all very sold to the West as well. Same with the EU, which is why 
like Brexit, I think had a hard impact on people. Like the EU was such like a cute thing. I don't know. I feel like there's nothing more beautiful than the words United Nations. Like just hearing that, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. wow, tell me more. But the fact that some nations aren't even in yeah. it, it's like, guys, like we can't even agree on like <laughs> just one thing. We can't even unite. <laughs> yeah. No, this is such a like liberal mom thing of the 2000s. Like my mom was so obsessed. Like my, my mom would always like will me to be like a translator for the United Nations. Like when we visited New mm-hmm. York, she like made me go there and she was like, you need to be a translator. I feel like every liberal mom that's like has like immigrant children like is willing their children to be like translators at the UN and I'm pretty sure that's like not really that glamorous of a job it seems a little stressful honestly and a little boring. I was looking into getting a tour of the UN and it's actually really cool like you can see on their website they have tour guides from like literally every country to do tours in every language and what do I actually know I won't even dox this but there's a really nice um place near the UN that I like to go and one time I was there and I saw like sitting down at a table this group that was so like it was like a lady in like a traditional kimono, like an African woman wearing like very traditional African garments and like a turban and then like a white guy in a suit. And I was like, this is like, <gasps> I feel like I'm looking at like the globe right now. Like, this is beautiful. That is so cool. Yeah. Or even like the image of the UN having all of those flags outside. Because I remember a lot of people just yeah. going on trips to New York, they make a like intentionally go by the UN to see it. I love that area of New York. It's like my favorite part of town. Yeah, it's really beautiful. One of my friends, their dad's like a high up uh, official, I guess, at the UN. And his job is literally like the solving like the right to food. So basically like people have the right to food. So it's actually, I guess, pretty interesting what type of work is done there. But it's so, I think it's very abstract for the average person to really understand but it does sound like quite impressive when you hear something yeah. like that of course you're like wow yeah. this is an amazing thing that someone's yeah. doing it's very yeah it's like a very attractive concept also i just realized okay this is kind of unrelated but it, isn't it weird that the un is like an autonomous zone kind of like its own thing kind of like the vatican is like that's like a thing right like, like the, the un, UN the building yeah, because I think, like, the UN is, like, that is not technically New York City. It's, like, the UN. Um, like, it's, like, its own autonomous zone. So, like, they can create, like, kidding? laws or something there. Yeah. So, like, huh. and that's, like, the same with the Vatican. So, I find, you know, a little equating to world powers, you know, of history. Interesting. We literally need to reform the UN. I know. <laughs> not to get too off topic, but I also feel like maybe this is a generational thing, but I always grew up really fascinated by embassies. Like, yeah, I always wanted to visit embassies. I would love walking by them and seeing, like, who was coming out, who was on, uh, even, like, the people that would guard them on the outside. I think as a kid, it would give me, like, it's a small world vibes where I was yeah. just like, oh, my God, like, I go inside and it's, like, I'm in the Netherlands, you know, but they're yeah. actually just, like, kind of shitty offices. But yeah. um, I think you have the Vampire Weekend song, Diplomat's Son, as well. It was yeah. Very, like, Diplomat's Son, yeah. You <laughs> I mean, I think um, the second wave of this, I'm just going to call it, like, second wave, like, world music type thing because um it's not necessarily world music but it was a little bit more nuanced but still kind of had its holes you know i'd say that the second wave is really like techno influence and that's like that section that you read about mia biz it's like i think it was so based on this idea of like remixing and culture clash and it was very internet like in that people were just bringing together these elements that were kind of like disparate but very cool when combined yeah like I'm looking at the board and there are just a lot of like I don't know I guess a lot of people were playing with the idea of like the third world being kind of like backwards and then combining that with like technology and I guess one thing I want to talk about is like Afrofuturism 
which used to be kind of like a fringe cultural studies thing, but now has become like totally Disney-fied in the new Black Panther movies. And there's also like indigenous Latin American futurism vibes there as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Aztec uh, villain in Black Panther. I haven't seen it yet, but I think he's the villain. I don't know. He's like a merman or something. <laughs> yeah. He's like an Aztec merman. God bless. But oh, oh, one thing. Also, there's like an indie sleaze connection because y'all remember Afropunk? I like forgot about that for a second. Yes, yeah. I went to Afropunk. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, wow. That's so indie sleaze of you. I used to be kind of like into this vibe. Like I was really obsessed with Solange and stuff. Oh, yeah. She yeah. plays at Marfa all the time. I always used to dream of like going to Marfa, Texas to see her play there because it's like a middle of nowhere town or whatever. That's like also a hipstery thing like Marfa or whatever, but... Yeah, no, the, the futuristic vibes are definitely, like, I feel like um they were correct in that. I mean, there is always, like, a futurism to, like, globalism, right? Because it's, like, in the future, we will be, like, one world government, one culture. And, like, mm-hmm. that's, like, a very, I don't know, some people will see those as good or bad things. But I do think it's, like, somewhat coming true with, like, TikTok a little bit, where it does feel like we have, like, a very small subset of our culture is, like, shared with the rest of the world, which is super crazy, right? There's, like, way less, like, regionalism or, like tribalism even though there's like a heavy amount of tribalism or everyday society we do have like a section what do you mean i feel like it's i don't know if we're like becoming one world culture but i mean all of these like tiktok examples that we've talked about like these brazilian girls dance battling in the street and the chinese guy line dancing and stuff like they're all so niche but it almost reminds me of i don't even know if this is like an adage but like liberals used to always be like oh it's like really racist to say like you don't see color like the thing that you were supposed to do is to like see all the colors and like appreciate them for like how they are which is what i feel like is happening a bit yeah that yeah. reminds me a bit of the coexist bumper stickers where it had like yes oh my god yeah it's very much that tiktok is so coexist actually mm-hmm. oh do y'all live strong bracelets also feel really similar to this yeah like it just feels like um yeah i guess there's there's no kind of there's, it doesn't feel like there's any charitable organization right now that people are really repping collectively yeah it's more like individual gofundme is <laughs> to people like the, the yeah i'm like the praying hoodie that says you matter don't give up <laughs> like <laughs> that's all we have now so true i guess something alexi you also mentioned a bit when we were speaking about this is like the techno orientalism vibe yes. that is kind of trending on tiktok which techno orientalism is like using eastern cultures to represent the future so a good example of this is like the movie blade runner the original as well as the newer version with ryan gosling yeah people are just really obsessed with the vibe of like rainy like tokyo neon light cyberpunk stuff um this like blade runner clip is going really viral of like anna de armas as like a holographic harajuku girl there are also these like different versions of global south futurism that i'm seeing like I think the rapid economic growth of the Middle East is becoming like way more aesthetically influential because the design and architecture of Dubai is literally like what humans thought the future would look like for centuries. Like it looks like illustrations of like science fiction. So true. But also like Dune came out a while ago, but I also thought that it was like the same kind of mixture of like traditional Middle Eastern aesthetics with like something very futuristic and sci-fi but for some reason i love that like i think it's so cool and like rick owens also kind of has like a bit of that like dystopian but also like tribalistic or like draped garments that are evocative of you know like prehistoric clothing 
Yeah, like Michelle Lamy is always like smudging coal in her face, I guess, in an attempt to kind of make mm-hmm. that happen. And then also she does, she wears bones a lot as well. Yeah. Yeah, like this weird convergence of like the super distant past and like a super distant future. I think it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. But sometimes it can get really corny in like a Burning yeah. Man way. <laughs> like, yeah. Also, there's a new Mad oh, Max. Oh, Mad Max is like my favorite movie. There's a new Mad Max coming out with Anya Taylor Joy oh, yeah. as Furiosa. Um, Wait. Oh yeah, so, it's like the backstory of Furiosa. Yeah, I guess it's probably like her woman tale. As in, like I feel like a lot of superhero movies have been leaning onto like the backstory for women. So like mm-hmm. it's kind of that take on the Mad Max yeah. franchise, right? Wait. Also, guys, I came up with a really busted theory the other day, but I think it's actually true. Also, yeah, Mad Max is like at its core, like also a kind of climate doomer, mm-hmm. like dystopian tale because it's about like a future with no water, where like Australia becomes this whatever like crazy world, um, and the oceans dry up. But I was watching trailers for movies in theaters, and like the new Avatar is coming out, and it's very like water based. Like they're just like swimming everywhere the whole time, and it's like quite islandy. Um, and also Avatar has a kind of like 2010s like Obama Hope poster vibe to it in that yeah. it's like about indigenism. Absolutely, um, yeah. Yeah, there's also something about the fact that it was such a record-breaking movie and it used techniques that no one had ever seen before that was very unifying. Yeah. Because no one had ever seen a movie like this before. So mm-hmm. it was all kind of putting us on the same level level playing field, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's very like tribal, like colonial, like metaphor or whatever or yes. something like that. Like mm-hmm. very... And it was also kind of like anti-military. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, very anti-military. Um, yeah. I need to rewatch that. But the new one, it also was kind of scary because they made the, the avatars or the Navi, they made them really skinny now. <laughs> no. If you look at the trailer, like they <laughs> oh, literally no, got indie sleeves. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, they took that in. Very wayfish. Oh, I don't know what's going on in their culture, but um, Brace yourselves, so ladies. that was very like watery. Yeah, the new Black Panther Wakanda Forever is also like they're swimming around and like there's a lot of water and like mermaids and then there's the new little mermaid revival and i literally like this is kind of whacked out but i think that like the media is preparing us for like rising sea levels and like underwater <laughs> vibes by like pushing this narrative you know something else that i mean that could be it i mean it, it is yeah it's definitely something that's like um existing like as a fear and like all of our psyches yeah. sort of but something else that's really interesting and i do kind of want to talk about is like ethnic fan fictions of the modern day mm-hmm. that is like something that's really fascinating because i think it definitely is like there's like a lot of fan fictions about history and like your ethnic past that sort of thing and i think it's also yeah like even like the woman tale is very like fan fiction of like a, a lost past or whatever like rewriting a mm-hmm. um, lost histories and that sort of thing i think that's like a popular thing right now on that note, we should talk about Bella Hadid. Um, because in terms of like thinking about oh yeah, your past, Bella Hadid has probably probably been the most prominent figure right now, at least in the Western kind of media, talking about how she one of her biggest regrets in her life is that she was not more a part of her like Palestinian and Muslim culture. And she's like expressed this in many different ways. One was saying, admitting to her nose job in a Vogue interview, and then also saying she really regrets it because it was the nose of her ancestors. And then also saying that she was extracted from her Muslim culture when she had to move from Washington, D.C., where she was born to L.A. And then finally, of course, she's been extremely pro-Palestine on social media. So I think she's been a, a big starter mm-hmm. in thinking about maybe this for a lot of people. Yeah, I think we're having like a, I mean, this is just a general thing that's been happening in society, unrelated to even personal histories, but we have like an identity crisis a little bit. And I think people are trying to cling to or understand like where they came from. Bella Hadid, her first acting role is, is coming soon. And it's um 
and a Hulu series which follows the like a first generation Egyptian American family. And oh yeah, Raimi. Mm-hmm. I watch. I watched that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just interesting how I don't know. All of this is coming to the surface in someone so maybe I guess mainstream is Bella Hadid. Maybe. Yeah, she's like a yeah. she's the most influential person in um young women culture yeah, right now. I think actively. she's one of them for sure. Yeah, her glam. I'm looking at her Instagram from when she was um in the middle east recently i guess she was in doha and qatar um but she was in attendance at this fashion trust arabia event which like highlighted a bunch of young designers from the middle east and north africa and her like looks for this whole kind of like press tour it's like this very middle eastern glam with like the hijab and like very sparkly jewelry and very snatch face and it kind of reminds me of that meme do you remember when there was this picture that Kylie Jenner posted where she looked so like Egyptian and people would like Photoshop like Arabic on top of it. Oh yeah. No, they do that a lot. With the, the Kardashians are like so perfect for like every possible like ethnic meme. Like I see like Kim Kardashian Buchona like on TikTok all the time. <laughs> like that's actually one of my oh, favorite. Oh, we should talk memes. about Buchona. Yeah. No, that's the thing too. We, 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 and speaking of music, I think with the Brazilian funk like up on TikTok, there's also like a huge, obviously Bad Bunny has taken over the world. I mean, he has totally dominated the space, like most famous musician alive right now, like hands down, like El Alpha blew up on TikTok, Angel Dior, which I just like this happened. This is one of those like, um, like global, um, like takeovers of my TikTok feed is like for like, two days i just had like my tiktok feed totally dominated by dembow and like dominican republic like people dancing in the street people yeah. dancing in the street and and like um to like angel dior and it was just like this create it, it felt very like watching a vice vice um like video where, where i was just like whoa like what is going on like this like subculture like this subculture like in this other- that's the thing now is like we don't need vice like documentarians mm-hmm. to be like our channel for this like we can just see it on tiktok for ourselves and like like it's a little bit more mysterious and we have to draw our own conclusions about like what exactly is mm-hmm. happening. But no, that's like the, that's like the best true. part of it. Cause it is so, it's so ambiguous and it's also super repetitive. And this is something I've really noticed. Cause like I was sending you guys TikToks like earlier. I have like, there's always, always gonna be like one or two people that are probably going to take over your feed. Like at any point in time, like for right now for me, it's that skiddity bump, bump, bump. Yes, yes, yes. Guy with the belly that's like <laughs> moving up and down. And I, he's everywhere. He's on my TikTok feed. He's on my Instagram reels feed. Um, and he's just some, talk about Hezbollah. That reminds me. Oh yeah, Hezbollah as well. Yeah, I just yeah, I don't I don't really know. I think it is we. Um, it, it's just really funny because it doesn't feel like we're even like searching for it. It just like manifests upon you, and like all of a sudden you're just like questioning, like whoa, like I belong to like such a large and diverse world, and like like um shatters like your like one like your tunnel vision of like what your life is about. You know, I think it also know. shatters our mm-hmm. our like very limited idea of who succeeds on social media because i feel like so often there's a critique that it's like only really thin beautiful women white women who are able to like win at social media but then we see someone like has you're like oh psych like that's not true <laughs> like bro that is like yeah. a tiny little man yeah. like yeah uh, from dagestan yeah i kind of forget where he's from he's dagestani really speaks no english as well um yeah i guess I like it. It's kind of, like, created a more mystifying social media for me, just in the sense that, like, it ha- it doesn't have this element of, like, careerism and just, like, obsessive posting and 
in order to like appease the algorithm like it feels so much more random and like by chance and it brings back the old school type of like coney 12 virality of you know like feeling like you're a part of a selected group of people that have been like chosen to interact with something also more importantly it's not politicized or like there's no like morality or value or anything like that you're not you're not being sold on like any type of narrative like you really do just draw your own conclusions and it's just like something totally random mm-hmm. i'm really obsessed lately with um the i'll talk to this in the description but there's a song in brazil tubarão and like there are all these videos of like young girls like 14 ish and they're like in a huge circle like out in the street of people watching them and they're like doing dance battles to this like song but it's a very like tiktok dance that looks really awkward when they're just like doing it in the round in real life but they like compete against each other to like win a bike or like another prize or something but everyone in the circle also knows like the movements of the dance and it's just like really fun to watch yeah, it's like, it's just like, it just prime entertainment because it really is just so much mystery. You have to like really just put the pieces together as to like what the yeah. fuck is going on here. And also you just never really even know because another one that always comes to mind, I'm, sh- I'm sure that everyone has seen this woman, the lady that does like the crunches mm-hmm. to lose belly fat yeah. who's like Asian and she's like, hey, huh, that lady. <laughs> like, I don't, the music like, is I so, just like, like, what do you even call that type of music? Like, it's just, <laughs> there's like this very vague type of like techno like, it's like Zumba music. Yeah, it's Zumba yeah. music. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Royalty-free Zumba music. I, have you guys tried to do that, like, move? Yeah, I did I did Zumba with my mom when I was, like, in middle school. I did, like, no, a I met Zumba the belly session. Dance. Oh, no. It really feels so weird. Like, it's a very bizarre <laughs> feeling because you have to, like, turn your pelvis, and I guess, like, that's, like, what crunches your belly. But, like, once you start doing it, you kind of can't stop. Also, that lady... She lost so much weight because she's been around for a couple of years now and now she's like very dangerously skinny mm. and I do worry about her pretty constantly. Yeah, so much to check up on her. Because um, she definitely did not lose all that weight doing those crunches. So yeah, someone should do a wellness check. What if she did? <laughs> Whoa. I need to start doing oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> My other favorite type of um, East Asian content, I think it's like mostly Chinese, but the like traditional etiquette videos where it's like a bunch of girls and like chung sams and... <gasps> They like will drop a fan and then like pick it up. You know what I mean? Yes, I love those. Always so the much. same like very traditional songs like. Do, 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 do. And there's always a girl that's like, no, 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 don't do that. And then, she- and then they just like are all <laughs> smiling and laughing at the end. Like I love it. Oh, amazing! Yeah, but it's another example of like ancient culture like being melded together with this like very high production value, very like I don't know social media. Content. Yeah, we have like a weird, we have a weird hang up on history in this time in our age. That's a very obvious observation, but we are very hung up on history. I don't know. I do think it's like it's important to like note that like, yeah, I mean, in previous movements of like globalism, I guess it was always a super oversimplified view. History is always seen as this like extremely innocent, pure, um, original state of being, which is very like Jacques Rousseau, like liberalism, right? Like the noble savage type thing. Like, oh, back in the day, like everything was good and then civilization corrupted us, right? And so I do think like it's interesting nowadays because like we literally can't have like an oversimplified view of these things anymore. Like there's like such complex like ideologies and politics and histories that like influence people's ideas and you can't really like lump people into like one group, right? It's like MIA and Kanye are like really good examples, right? Where it's just like, you can't expect somebody to have like, a unified politics, right? Like they have like their own informed complex worldview and you can either choose to agree or disagree, you know? So, I mean, I, I, I do find that I appreciate that about the modern day, right? It's, it it informs like a more nuanced view of like what people believe, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, I guess something also kind of around this time was the movie Slumdog Millionaire. <gasps> um, Love that movie. Which was a huge, huge, huge success. Uh, I believe it won... Yeah, it was nominated for 10 Academy Awards and won eight of them, which was the most for any film in 2008. And also the fact that it was a movie that came out in 2008 seems like mm-hmm. very apt with like this indie sleaze narrative yeah, too. Even though they, they weren't the exact same. Yeah. But, but also, um, Dev Patel is the main guy, right? Like he was like a very like indie darling ass thing. It's but. like a lot of these like uh global sleaze. <laughs> <laughs> global sleaze. People just like ended up they just ended up getting canceled. Like I think about D outward and I I don't want to like go too heavy on that because I do actually think that their vibe was like one of the most innovative and creative of like our century. Mm-hmm. Like it's really unmatched. And like huge artists like Lady Gaga were like really obsessed with them. And they probably would have been super famous if they weren't just so like cancelable in every way. No, I think the true nail in the coffin with them was like they like kidnapped a child, right? Yeah, they kind of had this like I don't want to say harem. They would adopt really poor kids from like the street in South Africa. Um because they thought they looked weird and they would like put them in their music videos just for like shock value. That's like an insane global self Angelina Jolie yeah. mentality. That's like the dark-sided Angelina Jolie play, yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminds me, we we did talk about in uh Russian Bibocore, like the abjectness of poor white people and they were really like they're really hard I think for us to wrap our head around but I do think that they are like really I don't want to say genius but like it makes sense why they got canceled and then also yeah MIA like people just like weren't ready for mm-hmm. for the existence of these um, individuals I think well it's futurist for a reason right it's like um it's like oh like the time like the modern day is not ready for like what the message that we're trying to bring to the people. I mean, Dan word is, is like definitely, I don't know. That's like a sketchy ass thing, but like their aesthetics were crazy. It was like so interesting. And like, um, and I think their music is really good. Yeah. No, and you're right about the techno connection. Also, I think that their, their Diane word is South is Africans for the answer. the answer. And like, that is such a like UN kind of like, I like we are, we are the children. Like we are the people name yeah. for a group they were also involved in that movie chappy which was like it was kind of like district nine like afro dystopian vibes know. where there was like a robot um in south africa yeah. <laughs> i don't know also speaking of them kind of representing the abjectness of poor white people which i don't know if they were poor but they like somehow look in their music videos like the skinniest people I had ever seen at the time when like skinniness mm-hmm. was like the default still mm-hmm. so it like it gave like a different type of skinny basically it's that, like actually scary skinny where it's like giving like starving children where your head is really big and your body's really small yeah yeah exactly it gives like you were malnourished your whole life which I do think they were like genuinely poor but yeah and their size difference as well because she's quite small and he's quite tall yeah, and she has this, like, creepy baby voice. Yeah. I, like, I'm really good at doing South African accent impression Ooh. of them, but I'll keep it to myself. Ooh, that's, like, a, that's actually kind of a... <laughs> oh, I want to do the outward Yeah, karaoke. that comes in clutch, dude. That's, like, a very unique accent impression. You yeah. can whip that out at some point. Yolanda yeah. accent. Their allegations are so, like, varied, and it seems quite intense it is really I feel intense. like in the 70s or something it would have worked in their favor because their whole idea is to be like super creepy but it just kind of nowadays is 
Yeah, no, and it just adds a, a, a different dimension. But I feel like everyone had that same experience whenever they were like, I don't know, however old they were. And then I think you freaky the music video dropped on YouTube and we were all like, whoa, what is this, bro? Like, this is so crazy. Look at the rats. Like, just like super shocking. They definitely changed yeah. the culture. Yeah, I know. It's crazy to think about um, how all of us were watching mm-hmm. that at such a young age. I know. Even though it wasn't actually that, like, there's something that crazy about it, but it did feel like that at the time. It felt like kind of an Almighty vibe with like the aliens and stuff. Yeah. Also, Babies on Fire is probably my favorite music video by them because it's like weirdly pastel. I love it. It's like really pastel goth. And she like hooks up with this like very Russian looking model guy. Um, I think like it just has such like traditional creepy vibes, like their blacked out eyes and like they also did mm. blackface, but like their whole bodies and wearing these. I don't know. They also did incorporate some like tribalistic elements. But also, like, graffiti, street art, the same kind of, like, avant-garde fashion stuff as Lady Gaga in a way. Yeah, this um, time was, like, really all about, like, unique subcultures and, like, random places. Because, like, it was, like, Zep or whatever. Super yeah, hyper-specific, Zep. like, regional, <laughs> oh like, subculture. Yeah. I love Zep. <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to get over this. Like, it, it was a moment, for sure. Like, we didn't know what we had until we lost it, you know? It literally is, like, the vibe of, like, in Mean Girls when they're, like, if you're from Africa, why are you white? But I think South Africa is just such a complicated landscape of, like, race and class that it really just, like, confused people. And then they made it, like, ten times more confusing <laughs> by being so freaky. No, I know. I, I I can fully admit that I do not know what's going on very, very well. I didn't know what Zeph is, but I just looked it up. Does anyone want to define it? Because I feel like it's interesting but i feel like some people might not know what it is it was like the subculture that d antward claimed themselves to be a part of but i don't really know that much about it it was like definitely like their aesthetics and all of that they took from this like subculture they said it's associated with people who soup their cars up and rock gold and shit zeph is you're poor but you're fancy you're poor but you're sexy you've got style gator boots with the pimped out gucci shoes (gasps) oh I'm reading the same page, but linguistically, it's really interesting. Yeah. It originated in the 60s and 70s as a derogatory term to refer to working class whites, including residents of caravan parks. It's a shortening of the name of the Ford Zephyr motor car that was popular worldwide from the 50s to the 60s. Wait, but have you ever been to like a caravan park? Yeah. In the UK? That's so cool. I mean, I haven't like, I haven't like gone to like a big one, yeah. um, but there's like a small one really close to where I spend a lot of time. and. I mean, I haven't, you know, gone knocking on anyone's door, but, like, they are a distinct landscape, I guess. That's crazy. Yeah, just the idea yeah. of, like, poor white people in South Africa living in trailer parks. Yeah. It's very fascinating. Yeah, I think uh, this is definitely, like, something um, our youth, uh, they they really seek to be informed and nuanced, I think. And I think this is, like, a thing that they might latch on to, right? Because it is... All these like weird complexities, right? We saw this like Russian bimbo course. Like these complexities are really fascinating for Zoomers who are themselves like extremely like difficult to understand as a generation living in like a time of a massive technological change. Sorry, I feel like I'm speaking nonsense. <laughs> no, this makes sense. I'm just thinking about how Drain Gang is like the poster group of the global north. Yeah. Just like they have this melancholic, like super far northern, kind of like dismayed by technology, but also very in touch with like the mystical side of the internet but also just like they're kind of Mm -hmm. shut in vibes like they all kind of seem very antisocial. but i think a lot of global south imagery and music especially in the element of like social dance on tiktok that we're talking about is Mm -hmm. so like collectivist 
But I'm just thinking about like what the opposite of this would be. And it does seem like it would be like a drain gang kind of like loneliness and sad boy thing. I want to call it basement pagan. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense to me, especially since they're so mm-hmm. elven as well. Yeah. yeah, they're basement pagans. That's a good one. And they're just so not like not offensive, you know? Like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're they're in inco- they're incoherent. So it's like you can't really understand what mm-hmm. they're trying to say. So I guess I feel like they also in some way like have some more mystery in a weird way because they're white and they're from like Sweden and like not all of them are white but like a lot of them are white um and so I feel like they have less pressure to constantly explain their background um than someone like MIA would where like I'm sure during her career obviously so much of her work is about her background but people are also just constantly asking you about that too no, it was like, a, I think it was definitely intentional branding for MIA because she's so politically involved and really tried to like, raise awareness about certain things that I feel like were not necessarily part of the mainstream consciousness around the time. <laughs> Do you remember the song Borders? No. Oh. <laughs> the song called Borders and literally the refrain was Borders. What's up with that? <laughs> it was a commentary on like immigration, but it was actually a little bit fried. So <laughs> funny. <laughs> Can you imagine Drain Gang singing about yeah, borders, no. though? Like, yeah. Yeah, no, you can't imagine that. The thing about Drain Gang, too, is, like, we all understand, like, Nordic countries are purposefully, like, very closed off to the world. Like, it's, like, so hard to, like, gain residency there. Yeah. And, like, they don't come They don't come out here. We don't go in there. Like, and we all are, like, whoa, this is, like, so cool. Like, it's, like, very futuristic and, like, um... Like, I don't know. Yeah, that is almost, like, my my personal futurism. It's, like, a Nordic society with, like, Ikea or something. But it is, like, such a mysterious mm-hmm. thing, and I feel like um, they want it that way, and we respect it, you know? I mean, I like Thai Boy Digital's vibe. Oh, yeah. Like, I like that his name is Thai Boy Digital. Oh, he's amazing. He's honestly my favorite, yeah. Wait, <gasps> should we talk about Luca Maxim, the guy on TikTok? Who's that? Because he, like, is kind of what inspired me. He's the one who's always talking about, like, Mongolian oh, fishing yes. groups and tech extremists. Oh, oh yes, has these, wait, like, viral was, videos. Was... Um, but he has these videos that he makes. I, I mean, this guy's just, like, a musician who's, like, trying really hard to go viral. But he's done this incredible world building where he'll make these videos that are, like, five things we won't tolerate in 2023. And he has these, like, themes that he's always talking about. And one of them is, like, closeness with your uncles. And he always has these, like, pictures of, like, very WhatsApp looking like middle eastern uncles um but he's created this like weird narrative about battling tech extremists i think it's really good who like mine rare metals and like use forced labor of uncles in their i really have no idea what the fuck he's talking about but it's like really funny i just found a tiktok of his it's just the three reasons you are poor he's pretty epic because there's um Every time I've gotten him, I I will, like, go past him because I think he's, like, serious. I think I just, like, landed on some weird part of TikTok. And then the more I saw him, the more I was confused. He's always wearing this little hat. I don't know what those hats are called. Is it a kufi? I don't know. It's looking very ethnic, but he's always wearing, like, one of those in, like, a <laughs> Nike tech and, like, a fur coat. <laughs> like, something about his aesthetic is just, like, really fascinating to me. That's, like, a perfect outfit. Global Gorp core. It really is. And he also, oh, he also talks about um, Zara employees <laughs> being, like, the enemies of, like, modern society. And he uses this picture of, like, a really yassified, like, oh Middle Eastern guy. I don't know. That, like, feels, that feels, the, the Zara employees being the enemies of society feels very aligned with my like prediction about the future being like all all women have only fans all men are uber drivers and all non-binary mm. binary people 
work at the Muji yeah. factory, but then it's like mm-hmm. all villains are Zara employees. Yeah. <laughs> like he actually, I want him to produce a Mad Max style movie where like you and your uncles are trying to escape like Zara employees. <laughs> But he also, I'm looking at pictures of him, he dresses kind of like Bad Bunny. Zara feels like it's part of this for some reason. No, it is. They literally have more stores than any like fashion brand worldwide. Like they literally have thousands and thousands of stores. Mm. It's the place to go for everyone. Yeah. I don't know. Like we like to make fun of Zara, but for a lot of people in the global south, it actually does represent like mm-hmm. European luxury. Um, exactly. Or like semi luxury. And it's, like, less embarrassing, I think, for, like, rich people to wear Zara and other parts of the world. Yeah, just realize, like, the American shopping mall and how much that, how much that is, like, a tourist attraction. Because I went to the mall yesterday and there was a currency exchange booth there. And I actually tried to exchange a peso, but it was closed. But I was just like, damn, like, there is... <laughs> just one? Just no, one? It was, it was 500 pesos, which is, like, I think, like, 20 bucks. But <laughs> I was just, like, I had okay. it in my wallet. I was like, might as well, but... No, that's like crazy that they just had a currency exchange there. And it is just like um such a tourist attraction in our country. It's literally like going to the museum in like a nice like foreign city, but you're just going to like the mall. Because it's definitely like what my when my aunts would come and visit and stuff, we would all go shopping at the mall and we would go to like Dillard's or JCPenney's or whatever. And that was like the shit to do. Like it was like, oh my God, like we are truly like vacationing suddenly. And to I don't know, to me it's always like, oh, I don't want to like go there. But what do you guys think the most global south like things to do at the mall is like is is there a global south food i guess there's a lot actually the food court can be very global the south. food court is very international it is like the un of <laughs> it's literally the un the but it has day. the same appeal like when you look at the food court you feel the same so way as when you look at the oh un flags it's like suki J- japan or whatever what is it what is that um, japanese like sakura sarku S- sakura yeah. sarku sarku it's called Sarku in my town, I think. And then there's Sparrow, which is just such a foreign word. I think that, for some reason, Mexican food was yeah. written out of food court. It's just too smoky. You kind of need to, like, grill yeah. it. And just seems like mm. a complicated thing, you know? I really want to go to a food court. Me too. I was just in one yesterday, and I can say it's definitely worth worth the trip to the mall. I had so much fun there. I spent, like, an hour in the food court just people watching. I felt like an old lady. <laughs> I really want to become one of those old women that, like, walk around the mall for exercise. That's, like, my my goal and dream in life. I found out recently that my grandma has been not doing that, but, like, she's, like, retired, and she was telling me about how she spends her time, and she was like, I'll just go to the mall and sit there all day. I was like, what? That is, I've done that, like, so much um, in my yeah. adult life. But she's like, I don't even buy anything. I'm like... I don't buy things when I go to the mall. I I always leave very frustrated, but I try to. It's not not easy to, though. They never have your size. I buy at the mall. Really? You could be like me. I know. It's just they never have my size in anything. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's it's like harder to yeah. find clothes that fit you sometimes. Um, it's more <laughs> like online, not you. So. <laughs> body shaming. Your body's impossible to dress. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know. When you go to the mall, it's really hard for you. <laughs> Just kidding. Sam has a beautiful body. Oh, thank you. Um. Yeah. Oh, okay. So this is not really... Mm, I don't know where to go with this, but have you guys watched the new season of The Crown? I actually, no, I watched, no. I started watching season four when I was sick, like, three days ago. Nice. Well, you'll probably get to season five soon-ish, but season five is about the royal family in the 90s, um, which is when Princess Diana had a relationship with Dodie Al-Fayed, who 
she sadly, uh, well, she they were together and then they died together. Mm-hmm. But a huge part of the show is like about his family life and his father. And they are Egyptian and his dad was like born and raised there. And I don't know that that's been kind of on my mind as like an interesting example of once again, this like trickling into the mainstream because it has like a very, the first episodes I've seen, like a big chunk of time is spent showing the Alphayad's lives. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I can't wait till I get to mm-hmm. that season. I actually am enjoying the crowd. It's like super soothing and it feels very like comforting. Cause I feel like I'm following in the legacy of my mother who's obsessed with like the Kennedys, Jackie Kennedy, because you, you are um, uh, a, an expert in all of these like um, legacy family. Like, <laughs> oh, sorry, oh we'll God, cut that. No, out no one needs to know about that. Not about me. No, I have. No, you guys can know. I just love to listen to like audiobooks about like I don't know dynastic families. Yeah, they're really Gloria Vanderbilt. They're really a treat. Just like that's just an epic like For sure. little narrative. I, I think it's like so. My like um aging woman brain is really falling into that like super heavy. It's like ASMR for me. It's like learning about Princess Diana. For some reason, Dodie has the mm-hmm. same vibe as like it reminds me of when Zayn Malik yeah. and um Gigi Hadid were together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally know what you mean. Because also part of the crown is actually like his father's obsession with Britishness. And I don't know if this is true, but like he just thought British culture was like the peak of culture and really wanted to be as close to it as possible. Um, but then he is kind of like rejected from European society at first um, because he's Egyptian. So it's interesting how that's kind of like the opposite of yeah. uh, people going back to the global south now. I feel like London is the global south. I can absolutely say that is true. We need to make our own map <laughs> about alumni official global north south map. <laughs> Honestly, okay, like, there's something about the, like, double-decker buses because you you feel like you're flying through space on them because if you sit on the top, on the front, like, there's just a full window, so you just feel like you're Ugh. zooming through space. And it's, like, very futuristic, and you feel like a robot. And then also, yeah, I guess there's just so many of these, like, influences here. It's The cosmopolitanism is very, yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, I just watched Children of Men last night and or rewatched it. And yeah, it made me really want to go to London because it was like, yeah, like it's like a post-apocalyptic world where like London is the only safe place to be in. And like it's all just like a like a commentary on like refugees and mm-hmm. like immigration and like modernism, like the fall of society or whatever. It was like very interesting. And it made me want to go to London because there's like something very cozy about post-apocalyptic vibes to me. And it was also very global South Core. I want to go on a global South Core chicken shop date. Oh yeah. Pengus Munch, dude. <laughs> I want to meet that kid, dude. That's like my Hasbullah. Me too. There's weird... I mean, this is not a new observation, but there's like a lot of weird kind of white British um, ex-Global South collabs. Like there's a food called Coronation Chicken. Coronation oh, wow. has like the Coronation, but it's just like a curry chicken um, with like... Maybe it has mayo in it. Huh. It's oh. really interesting. I would try it. I would try it. I would. Yeah. 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 There's a character on industry, the HBO show um, that's like about investment banking kids. And one of the main kids is like black and his name's Gus. But the gag is that he's like really rich and went to all these like went to Eton and Oxford. And his dad is a kind of African diplomat. And I think he's like a very global South figure. 
of London. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I'm just thinking about, have you seen, like, TikToks of, um, like, you know, the TikToks of, like, kids doing interviews at school where they're like, what's your name? Who do you think the finest girl in our school is? I was getting those, but, mm. like, um, it was like, a Swiss boarding school, I think. And I think the most emblematic kind of thing about our changing world would be the, the demographic of Swiss boarding schools and how they represent the wealthiest, like, 1%. Yeah, we're definitely in a shift of power in our modern day. Yeah, it's very interesting to note, especially because, like, um, I think we're just going to get more and more aware, you know, like with a lot of the discourse surrounding Qatar and like the World Cup, which I'm not super familiar with what's specifically going on with the sports scenario at the World Cup. I think Brazil is doing very well, but which is cool and very global South Core because I think that's like the first time, like, (laughs) oh, wait, really? Oh. (laughs) <laughs> no, but then they win. Are you winning some? Yeah, no, it started, I thought it started today. Yeah, yeah. I need to see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, someone just told me Brazil is the one to watch. First one, oh, Qatar, Ecuador, and Ecuador won. Oh, slay! Yeah, my bestie's Ecuadorian, um, and I think that it was a big win for her. Yeah, it's a reality check for Qatar because they're on the home field and took the first L. Yeah, I guess that's like really like embarrassing, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's like it's just like crazy. It's just like crazy to me because it's like this is such a small country and this is such a huge global event. It's literally the, the biggest event, larger than the Olympics, more watched than the Olympics, and like Qatar is like smaller than Connecticut or something, and like they've been preparing for this for like a decade or longer. And yeah, you just like don't realize like how much, and that's another thing too, is like there's so much of a history with like, like I remember when I'd go to Mexico City to visit family, like there, we'd always walk past like the Plaza de las Tres Culturas, which is like where they like massacred a bunch of students that were protesting the building of the Olympic Stadium because it like displaced a bunch of people. There's just always been like a bunch of like um, violence. Cause it's like, yeah, it is just like the irony, right? Cause it's like a global unity event that always yeah, just like displaces always Olympics, like the poorest yeah. people in, in the region and like workers die and are exploited. Yeah, I don't know. It's like a the grand irony of this, you know? I wonder if there's gonna be like a Protestant Reformation version, but of the UN. Like who's gonna be the Martin Luther for the UN? It's gonna be interesting. Oh yeah. I guess <laughs> it was like Greta Thunberg. Yeah, you're right. It like was her. I guess she does looks like Martin Luther a bit because they look like, really similar. I don't know. There's something about them that's quite similar. Yeah, it's a, it's a similar vibe. It's a very like um nailing. Oh, sorry. I just it took me a second. Wait, they literally might. I, yeah, that's what oh. I said. Yeah, they they there's something about them that. No, she's Nordic, and he was yeah. German, right? They're from the same area of Europe, right? Yeah, I guess not that those places aren't that close. Wait, guys, they look really similar. You heard it here first. Uh, you guys know I'm obsessed with gratitude work, right? No, but guys, but he really actually does look like her. I don't know. They probably have some genetic crossover or something. <laughs> <laughs> They're relatives. They definitely have the same spunkiness and love for public speaking and like epic clapbacks to, <laughs> to, to institutional authority. I feel like Martin Luther was like pretty short as well. And Greta Thunberg is like notoriously quite small. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, you know, like, you know how, like, yeah. how he <laughs> nailed his treatise on the church door? Yeah. I could just see Sorry. him loving to nail a treatise onto something. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm. Greta Thunberg would definitely lead us in yeah. the fight against our employees. Dude, so true. Feels good. Oh, the connection here. It's amazing. Don't say that. We really are world building so much in this episode, dude. I'm sorry, but they would yeah. take her down. They would take her down with a swiftness. The Zarya employees, <laughs> they would right. yeah, stab you with like a PVC heel. <laughs> it's like yeah. a diamond strap. Yeah, PVC kitten heel. <laughs> But my uncles and Greta yeah. <laughs> will protect me, inshallah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. Is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about? I don't know. I feel like I really did get it all out. That felt very, like, cathartic. Yeah. Yeah. That was really interesting. I missed the Global South when I moved back there. I mean, my dad, I guess, still lives in the Global South. I remember once it was really embarrassing for my um, AP Human Geography class. Mm. We were all, we all had to, like, choose a developing nation or, like, a third world country to, like, be an expert on for the whole semester. And we would, like, periodically present reports mm. on, like, what was going on there. And we were looking at this list and, like, trying to figure out what we wanted to do. And Belize was on there. And then everyone was like, wait, Alexi, doesn't your dad live there? <laughs> And I was like, yeah, it's true. Who gave the report? Um, This, like, really nerdy kid. I don't know. But he was, like, reporting on, like, my dad's bank and stuff. <laughs> I was like... Yeah, he probably had a crush on you. Everyone was looking at me and I was just like, guys, like, I can't do anything about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's, like, when your parent is also a teacher at Yeah, the it was going to be that vibe. That happened to me. I ended up doing the only, the only European developing country at the time, which was... Uh, Romania. Oh, Romania, I love that. Yeah. I was trying to do like a hot take, like, yeah, like Europe is still developing too, you know. Yeah, it's true. I mean, yeah. I was just thinking about how I met one of Sam's unknown enemies <gasps> oh in my London. God, that was crazy. And then it just started like making me think about how he's like, our employee. Corpus is like the global south <laughs> of Texas. No, he's like the opposite. Corpus no, South Texas is the global south of Texas because South Texas is very famous. Yeah, yeah, not a. Yeah, I'm from literally the global south of Mex- Mexico, but it doesn't feel that way because we're I'm so northern mm-hmm. Mexican. But like, yeah, South Texas is definitely the global south of the United States. Um, it's really fun. I would recommend people visiting there. It's very random. Um, but yeah, that is yeah. Biz randomly in London met some guy who is like I'm not saying to say sworn enemy, but we just did not get along, and we went to middle school together. Which is crazy. Yeah, honestly, he's been talking shit about you in London. Yeah, I've heard. It seems uncalled what? for. It really seems uncalled for. It feels very glamorous to me, though. I, I have so much tea on him. He could never. I could totally expose him. He's a phantom-like presence. I encounter him a lot. And I never knew his name until I knew he was your sworn enemy. So now I'll never forget yeah. his name. I love it. An enemy that crosses... Mm space-time and like crosses a border yeah, an enemy that knows no borders yeah i think it's actually very romantic to have to have an enemy ship with without borders <laughs> or yeah. just like a sworn enemy <laughs> like i i actually do love for that i think it's um it's the spice of love no yeah that was like actually so random i found his photo in like my middle school yearbook and sent it to biz <laughs> actually i don't want to bully him on air i feel bad <laughs> no honestly he might be a listener really but it's least, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, he could probably maybe hate listens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We could be talking about any of your mini sworn enemies, Sam. So true. I do have I do have a yeah. surprising number. I just, but I'll tell him, meet me at the Selena statue in Corpus on Christmas Eve and we'll sort <laughs> things out, buddy. 
Oh my god, not a duel. I love dueling. I just watched Barry Lyndon and it was really giving me duel vibes. Ooh, okay. Oh, yeah, we should. No, I'm not going to advocate for bringing back dueling, but that was epic for a moment in time, yeah. Um, okay. I honestly like cannot think of any would you rather is, but I'll try my hardest. One in my head is like, would you rather live in the global south or the global north? <laughs> global north. <laughs> No, no, that's what I mean. I feel like the like, would you rather's are like really not well suited. Yeah, we're like dealing with a lot of binaries. Uh, yeah, no, there's a lot of like touchy things. Like a lot of yeah. would you rather's I was coming up with. I was like, oh, that's not gonna go off over no, well we with can't. the audience. But would you rather be forced to do a public um, TikTok dance battle in the favelas of Brazil, or be sentenced <laughs> to two hours of belly crunching dance in a dance studio in China? I kind of want to do the TikTok dance. I guess the TikTok dance seems like he'd have more reward, but I don't think I would win it. Oh, yeah. I about no that. one, I've never seen anyone, like, yeah. actually slay it. Like, that's the funny thing about it is, like, the dancing is always really awkward, and the girls, like, look kind of sad. Mm. Yeah, because I feel like they're focusing really hard. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, right? it's just so funny, like, a TikTok, uh, TikTok dance battle. I did want to do a wellness check on that belly crunch woman, so I might... Just go do belly crunches with her to see if she's okay. And then talk, talk to her after, yeah. Yeah, give her a little protein, some carbs. It'd be nice. It could do her some good, but... The belly crunching dance is the type of, like, exercise that I find the most cathartic. Like, things like rowing, where you're just doing, like, a really repetitive movement for so long, you just, like, start dissociating. So I think I would kind of mm. want to do it. Yeah. It makes you, like, get dizzy for some reason a bit. Mm-hmm. But with the added thing of the music, yeah. That'd be great. I have a question for you guys. Thinking about, I'm thinking right now about kind of global south third <laughs> spaces. So, would you guys rather have to live in Harrods, which was owned by the Fayed family until I think fairly recently, or would you rather have to live in the <gasps> UN? Oh. See, ooh, that's like a really hard one. I mean, I think living in the UN would be like living in an airport yeah. terminal, which the guy who lived in an airport terminal recently died, which is sad. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Peter, have, they, they really screwed him over. That was, mm-hmm. was a travesty. But yeah, yeah no, it seems, oh God, the UN just seems so much more interesting. But Harrods, like I could eat like candies and cookies and like Christmas time at Harrods. Like, no, that seems like just yeah. so much fun. I can't. No, I want to go to the know? UN. I feel like the cafeteria there must be like, we must have a, oh, yeah. future <laughs> they must have some worldly food. <laughs> yeah i i feel like the food at harrods is really really good but i guess i feel like i would become a case for the un if mm. i lived in the un therefore they would have to help me because they'd be like, it's a human rights violation that she lives in mm. the sarku japan or something so true but then do i want help maybe mm, it seems like the un know. even if you don't want help they're gonna forcibly help you out whether or not it has yeah. benefits or yeah, that's true. You know? God, yeah, now I have to think of what you rather. I like totally forgot everything that we talked about. Um, I was gonna say something about like D Antward and like their harem of kids, but I feel like that's insensitive, so I'm not gonna say that. No, that's <laughs> yeah, I, can't. Um, I don't know. Uh yeah, would you rather be stuck in the ticket line at Afropunk for an entire week? Mm. Um, or would you rather um be dropped in the middle of a Zeph party and 
uh, asked to dance battle Yolandi. I don't know. Oh god, okay, that's another hard <laughs> dance battle to win because she has tweaker movements that yeah, are like her, unmatched. Her is insane. But um, yeah, I did go to Afropunk, yeah. and honestly, I have a picture of me like passed out on the ground because I was really dehydrated. Mm. So I don't know if I could do that again. Like I was, I was laying on the ground. Were you actually passed out? Like, did you like lose consciousness? Mm. I was conscious, but I was like yeah, really so... lightheaded, and I had to leave for the. Oh no! Yeah. yeah, festivals are really like they're they're terrible. I, like I don't like those experiences, and they're only good if you're just like on drugs. Um, Mm-hmm. or like a hippie freak so that's yeah. for that reason i will be going to the zef side mm-hmm. i think i would also go to the zef side only because i've really never experienced south african culture and i think it would be interesting to be exposed to yeah and i feel like someone would barbecue mm-hmm. something for me yeah. yeah it seems like they would have an outdoor cooking like party that. type thing you know yeah yeah, yeah. do you think they okay. they're very much an outdoor based um culture <laughs> the zefs yeah which is, yeah i guess that's another thing like go go outside like the global south is all about touching grass and like hanging out in the street that's so true yeah so i think we could all learn something from that i feel like this is not really something that's like a trend or anything but i do yeah. feel like it might be boiling beneath the surface of things and i think it's interesting is happening in the winter when it's so cold outside and people aren't really doing like collective outdoor activities anymore but but it's this it's the summer yeah. in the global oh, south okay there you go there's the seasonal yeah. connection <laughs> so we're really we're really morphing to their timeline so that's what yeah i'm just like sitting freezing in my yeah, i'm freezing in my bed watching these videos of like girls hanging out in brazil wearing like really funny outfits and like twerking it's making me really happy yeah goals mm-hmm. um okay well this was a really interesting mm-hmm. episode so Thanks guys for listening this week. Yeah, let us know your thoughts. Favorite countries in the global south, places that you think should be eligible for consideration in the global south that might be a little unexpected. Also, um, um uh, I've had like a couple of messages this week about our voices being very indistinguishable. So I just really? wanted to say I'm Sam, Alexi. <laughs> say you're Alexi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Alexi. <laughs> I don't want to. You don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. I'm like, I will do it. I'm biz, but I think honestly, real heads have to know. I understand what they mean. Um, how many messages did you get? This I got week? two. That's but, a lot. Um, it was one too many mm. for me to. You know, I felt concerned. It was like one too many messages. They could just pretend that we're one voice. Yeah, imagine if we were just talking to like one person talking to themselves. Is actually what's going on here. Very. <laughs> Yeah, we have when someone has like a oh pu- it was like a puppet oh, yeah. involved. Wait, what? Epic. Yeah, we did have a bit about like the talking hand. I want a puppet thing. Yeah, yeah. What was that? There, there was a bit about that. Yeah, we did. I don't really remember why. I think it was in the Tiki episode. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> There's like nothing funnier than like a talking hand. That it's is so the true. funniest thing ever. We've discussed that. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, I guess we'll be back. Okay, <laughs> not that. <laughs> I was going to say, I guess we'll be back. And I'm like, no, we will be back soon. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes. Happy Thanksgiving to those who celebrate. And happy November. December, November. Mm -hmm. Is that your British accent jumping out? No, that was not a British accent. I like do like to do a British accent as much as possible, though. It was giving Australian to me. Mm -hmm. I'm like really holding back my South South African accent right now. 
Why don't you do it? No, that's actually going to be behind a paywall, which we will. Uh, <laughs> that's a little teaser for our teaser future, for what's to come. The globalist future of Nepal. Yeah. There's a paywall or impression attempts. Yeah, my paywall like cover of Fatty Boom Boom. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> like an acoustic version. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna do a piano cover. And you have like a u- ukulele. Oh my God, I wonder if someone has done that. Like that was the time that ukulele covers were a thing, you know. Yep, yep. Oh my god, yeah, I'm literally like sure. I'm like living in fear. Like I have to go check it out though. Definitely someone has done it. Especially since the one of the most popular genres to cover, like on a ukulele or mm-hmm. acoustically, was like hip hop yeah. as well. Because they'd be like Oh my god, like look at her singing Drake. Yeah. Who knew that you could yeah, sing Drake? Carmen? Did I make my um, did I make my point about the diaspora? Not to like make a very last minute point, but I do think it's important. I feel like Global South 4 was a reaction to like black American culture being really mainstream and like hip hop being like a huge thing. Because that was starting to be like a bit hegemonic in the 2010s. Um sorry, I hate making last minute yeah. points, but sometimes if I don't make them, like I can't sleep at night. Yeah. No, that's an interesting point. See, now I like want to talk about that because that is interesting. Well, we can put it on Patreon. <laughs> we'll put it on Patreon, yeah. Unless. <laughs> uh. Scene. All right, and <laughs> good night. All right, I'm gonna end the recording. I feel like that was really good.